I'm Audrey Benjamins. It is my privilege to lead you in the opening of God's word this morning. Please join me in a prayer. Father in heaven, we thank you, Lord, for this place and this space where we know that you are among us because we are gathered. Please, Lord, free us from distractions. Open our hearts and our minds and our ears that your word will land inside of us. We pray this in the name of your Son. Amen. Our scripture reading this morning comes from the book of Matthew, uh, chapter 7, verses 9 through 11. It's on page 1506 in your pew Bibles. Which of you, if your son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will you give him a snake? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give good gifts to those who ask him? We're going to proceed with two questions and answers from the Heidelberg Catechism, Lord's Day 46 and 47. I will read the question, and please join me in reading the answer. Why did Christ command us to call God our Father? To awaken in us at the very beginning of our prayer what should be basic to our prayer. A childlike reverence and trust that through Christ God has become our Father. That just as our parents do not refuse us the things of this life, even less will God, our Father, refuse us as what we ask in faith. What does the first petition mean? Hallowed be your name means help us to truly know you, to honor, glorify, and praise you for all your works and for all that shines forth through them. Your almighty power, wisdom, kindness, justice, mercy, and truth. And it means help us to direct all our living, what we think, say, and do, so that your name will never be blasphemed because of us, but always honored and praised. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Audrey. Teach us to pray. It will be the theme we use in the coming weeks between now and Easter as we pay attention to the Lord's Prayer and walk our way through it, especially along the way paying attention to what the Heidelberg Catechism teaches about the Lord's Prayer. And so in many ways, these coming weeks are going to immerse us into this prayer as a way of engaging with God, of preparing our hearts for the, the Good Friday service that will come and for the Easter Sunday resurrection that will follow. As we enter this space, I want us to recognize that what we're doing is, is entering into a question that Jesus' own disciples, the, the guys who saw him in the flesh, had. As he was going through his teachings with them, the disciples came to him and, and said to him, Lord, teach us how to pray. And I think it's fascinating that these guys who were walking and talking with Jesus, who had meals with them and hung out with them, 
still felt like we don't know what we're doing when it comes to prayer. <laughs> and doesn't that give us a bit of comfort? That, that the people who saw Jesus in the flesh still had to say, Lord, teach us how to pray because we don't, we don't get it. We don't know how to do it. And Jesus took the time to give them this prayer. <coughs> Annie Dillard <coughs> talks about we don't know what we're doing when we come to worship. She says coming to worship is like kids playing with TNT sets in the front of the sanctuary. She says, really what we ought to be doing is having the ushers pass out life jackets and crash helmets. And that we should get along to the point where we budget to install seat belts in our pews. Because the living God is here. The God of the whole creation, of, of heaven and earth, is actually here in our midst. And there is so much power in that God that we should, in some sense, be prepared for that God to show up and our lives to be totally altered. We should sit in the pews. Hi, Hank. I'm going to hold on to you. You hold on to me. And we'll see what God does today, okay? I'm excited. All right. There really is this sense in, in what we're doing when we worship that our whole lives could get upended at any moment because God shows up. Now, most of the time when we think of God showing up, there is a trembling. I, I don't know if you've read that part of Scripture before. Just before the, the Ten Commandments are given, or just after the Ten Commandments are given, sorry, it, 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 Moses comes down and, and he, he's telling the people the Ten Commandments that God's given. And, and after he tells them, they're like, Moses, why don't you go before God? <laughs> we see all that smoke on the mountain and we hear the rumbling there. We don't want to be anywhere close to God. You mediate for us. You come before God because it is a scary thing to stand in God's presence people trembled. Isaiah, when he came into God's presence, he went into the temple and had this, this vision of the temple filled with smoke, and angels are there, and, and the altar of God is right before him, and it's got coals that are alive and burning, and Isaiah cries out, woe is me! I am undone! Essentially, he says, I'm a dead man. It's as if I have never should have been created. Woe is me. And so often we come before God with this sense of if God shows up, we are in trouble. And in that sense, we all should come next week with life jackets on. <laughs> but what Jesus does here is so different. We're actually going to be covering two of our core values as we engage this this morning. Here's the, the five core values we have as a church. Steadfast prayer, transformative worship, active discipleship, servant hospitality, generous stewardship. And, and we look at all five of these things and we say, this is kind of the way of life God is ushering us into. This, these are the types of things that are to characterize who we are as God's people. 
And, and what we're doing today is we're stepping into those first two, that, that steadfast prayer to be a people who actually learn how to pray and who pray and pray and pray to the point that their lives become a prayer. And, and to be a people who understand that when we come into this place, we are really gathering before the living God who is among us and who is here. But the way Jesus starts this prayer, he starts it off in a different place. It's a wake-up call. I don't know if you caught that, but it's a wake-up call not to startle us or to fear, but to draw us in. He's inviting us to step in. And in the catechism reading that Audrey had, it says, why did he command us to call God our Father? To awaken us. I don't know about you, but you may have had a time in your life where your parent came up to you because you refused to get out of bed and they actually threw water on you. Did that ever happen to anybody here? There's a few of us. Yeah, Tim, that's true, I did. My son Tim's back there. I did throw water on him, actually. It, it does happen, right? And, and this is much more of a gentle wake-up call. This is much more of, of Jesus saying, Hey, Bill. Hey, Bill. I've got something for you. It's good news. I've got something, Bill. Bill, wake up. It's that type of, of gentle waking us up. And drawing us in. And what Jesus is trying to wake us up to is this. Trust. We can trust God. We live in a world that has so many things going wrong in it. We're often, often challenged and questioned. How can there be a good God if all these broken things keep happening? And Jesus, in the midst of a broken world, is inviting us to trust God. And here's why. He's inviting us to waken to this childlike reverence and trust that through Christ, God has become our Father. You know that language at the beginning of this prayer, our Father, it has the, the Aramaic behind it of our Abba. Abba is not so much father in English. Abba is much closer to daddy. Imagine this being someone you can come to. Jesus is saying, God, the creator of the universe, the all-powerful, almighty one, is your daddy. And he loves you. And he desires you to be close to him. And he's inviting you to come in. And you can trust him. You can trust them when things are in trouble and things are not going right and you're wounded and, and you get hurt. It's kind of like if you're outside playing and you trip and fall and you bang your hand and you want to go running in to figure out what's going on and, and you go running into the house and you want one of your parents to take care of you. I do remember once, and I show this as a contrast, I climbed on my garage roof. Anyone ever done that? My dad shouted down at me one of those dad jokes. If you fall off and break both your legs, don't come running to me. <laughs> There's a little distance there. I'm like, hey, dad, if I get hurt, you don't want me to come to you? No, that wasn't the point of that one. 
But God is saying to us, Jesus is saying to us, when you are hurt, when you are broken, when you are tired, when things aren't making sense, you can go to your daddy and you can trust him. Our daddy. With that childlike reverence and trust that, that he's my daddy. He's the one I want to cling to, his leg. If you're out in the gathering room and you're talking, watch some of our youngest members. The ones who are running around and walking, they may get the wrong, parent, the wrong leg because sometimes they grab your leg and then look up and realize you're not their dad. But it does happen. They run around almost every week. You will see one of the younger kids come up and they'll grab a dad's, their dad's leg. And they hold on to that leg. And Jesus is saying to us in this, by saying, call God our Abba, our Daddy. Run up to him, throw your arms around his leg. He is good. He is good and he wants you to come before him. He wants us to trust him. That is our God. And, and so when we enter into this prayer, yes, it is with the almighty God of heaven and earth who we need to honor, but it is also a God who says to us, come to me as little children, and I will be your daddy. I will protect you. I will take care of you. You can trust me. there anyone among you who if your child asks for bread will give a stone or if the child asks for a fish will give a snake if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children how much more will your father in heaven give good things to those who ask him this posture this childlike posture Jesus doesn't just nurture it in this prayer, but he comes back to it again and again throughout his ministry that the relationship we have with the Almighty God who created heaven and earth is one of a child to a parent. The Catechism tells us that it is through Jesus Christ that we have been adopted as God's children. And so in a little bit, we're going to participate in a... A, a memorial that helps us to remember and believe that through Jesus' death and resurrection we have been made children of God. Paul, writing to the Romans, puts it this way. The spirit you receive does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you receive brought about your adoption to sonship. And, and that word sonship there is a legal term. It's a legal term in that Roman culture, meaning you have all the rights of a natural-born child. You are an heir. You are one who God has blessed and said, you are mine, you will receive the full inheritance with all my other children. And by that Spirit, by Him, we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now if we are children, then we are heirs. Heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ. So this, our Father, start to the prayer, ushers us into that posture of saying, we are your children. Tired and weary, joyful and happy, no matter where we are at in life, we are your children. That's our fundamental identity before a God who has revealed himself to be our daddy.
trust. To know you more. What does the first petition mean? Hallowed be your name means help us to truly know you. Do you see the relationship that's happening here? The catechism's picking up on it. Most times we think hallowed, that's a funny old word. It's a big old English word, isn't it? Have you heard hallowed before? No. Yeah. It just doesn't come up very often. But, but hallowed, it often means holy. To make something holy or to, to set it apart as holy. So set apart your name as holy, God. Let your name be holy to people. But the catechism, catechism understands that that's not just a distant thing that we can't come close to. This is God saying, draw near to me. It's expressing a desire that we would know more of who God is. Who God is, And that desire to know more of who God is comes out in here as well because it's, it's a call to give God thanks. How many grade six, seven, or eighters are in here right now? We got a few. You guys are studying the catechism right now, right? Yeah? And this afternoon, you're going to enter into talking about gratitude, if I remember right. A little bit of gratitude today. This part, this prayer, comes in the gratitude section of the Heidelberg Catechism. It's us saying thanks to God. And right here in teaching us about, about hallowed be your name, it's saying we're desiring this relationship with God where we come to know God more. We come to know more of who He is. And it points out, for all that will give God thanks, honor, glory, and praise you for all your works, but also for everything we learn about God through what God does. So it's not just saying, God, thanks for the sunshine today. But thank you, God, that as you give us this sunshine, you show us that you're a God who cares for us, who brings light and life to us. And when it's raining out, we say, God, thank you for the rain because you're one who provides rain for the earth so the plants can grow and we can eat because you provide for your good creation. And so it's telling us more about who God is and the Catechism says, as we come to know God more, the things we're going to start seeing is, yes, God's power, His wisdom, His kindness, His justice, His mercy, His truth. And so this, this hallowed be your name, hallowing our Father, our Daddy, is like saying, Dad, I want to sit down with you and hear more about what life is like for you. God, I want to sit with you and learn more of who you are. I want to be present with you, God, and discover more of how you've knit things together. I want to know you more. And that desire to know God more leads the catechism to talk about our lives becoming a prayer. This song, we talked about it at our, our council a couple weeks ago, the leadership retreat we did, and we said this song, Take My Life and Let It Be, has in it this whole understanding that, that what God does in us is meant to spill out in the way we live our lives beyond these walls. And in that sense, Annie Dillard's thing of putting on life jackets and, and crash helmets is really good because God in some sense is blowing the doors off of our worship. He's pushing them open and saying, what happens in this space as you pray to me and as you come before me is meant to spill out into the world around you so that every moment of your life fills with my presence. 
that you become aware of me all the days of your life in what you think and say and do. Look at that last part. The hallowed be your Help us to direct all our living, what we think, say, and do, so that your name will never be blasphemed because of us, but always honored and praised. In other words, this little start to the prayer is setting the stage for everything that comes after it. It's setting the stage with right relationship with God. We are God's children because of, God, of what God has done in Jesus Christ. And we can approach God as a child does their daddy, clinging to him, holding to him, running to him, telling him about our days. And as we do that, we begin to discover more of who God is, and it fills us so that it spills out of our prayers into the very way we live our lives. The disciples caught that last part. Three passages. Paul emphasizes the think part of it. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, he's kind of on a roll here. <laughs> if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. It's an overflow of this Lord's Prayer. Hallowed be your name, Daddy. I'm going to think in a way that honors you and glorifies you. James picks up on it when he talks about our tongue. He talks about how one of the greatest struggles in our life is to control our tongues. With the tongue we bless the Lord and Father, and with it we curse those who are made in the likeness of God. From the same mouth come blessing and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this ought not to be so. In other words, if we're going to pray... Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. We've got to start guarding our tongue and the way we speak about the people around us and the people we hear about in the news and the people who seem to be making a mess of the world. That our very tongue and our very words still line up with this honoring God, our Father, of coming before him. And the last, do Peter, writing to his disciples and the people he was raising up, live such good lives among the pagans that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Even before the catechism was written, <laughs> that little phrase of all that we think or say or do, you hear those first disciples applying that very principle to their lives. To pray, our daddy in heaven, hallowed be your name, is to long that our very lives, all that we think and say and do, would be conformed to who God is and his character. Let's pray. Lord, you invite us to come before you to know you, to see you, to trust you. To trust you not just with the words we say in this space, the words we sing and hear and share here, but to trust you with our whole lives. 
that everything about us would be transformed by who you are, that you, through Jesus Christ, have become our daddy, someone that we can come to and trust completely. May you transform our thoughts. May you transform the words of our mouths. May you transform our actions so that our whole lives begin to look like you. You are faithful, Lord. We trust that you will make us whole and holy. In Christ we pray. Amen.